This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Let me start with some prayer. Father, um, I thank you just for the opportunity to stop for a moment and consider your word and what you've said. I thank you for the opportunity to sing worship songs and to use music to fix our hearts and our minds on on your character and your love for us and on what you've done in your son. I thank you for a chance to eat bread and wine and, and reflect on what you've given us in Jesus Christ, his perfect life, punishment for sin and his blood shed. Lord, there's so many means that you have given us to help reorient our hearts on you. And Lord, I know that because of the fall, because of sin, we're so easily distracted. We're so easily pulled back down to earth. We're so easily taken from the peace and beauty and joy of your presence and brought into these temporal things. So we need your Holy Spirit this morning. We need your spirit to enliven us, to, to give us eyes to see. We need your spirit to, to raise us from the de- depths of the ground up to your heavenly glory. And that's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for you to help us consider your word so that we can have more joy and peace in your presence this morning, Lord. So I thank you for giving us this opportunity. Help us with that. In your name I pray, amen. So for the first couple of weeks of the new year, I said I promised I would just move my, (laughs) Um, for the first couple of weeks of the new year, I wanted to take a a moment, uh, if you could go to the title slide, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the, the conflict and the call, the conflict and the call, sorry. Uh, of Emmaus Church, and I am, you know, you could you could talk about this for for believers in Denver. Uh, uh, I'm sort of being trying to be a little specific to the particular context that we're in. Um, we live in a very secular city. Uh, there, there's certain things that when we walk outside, we see. Uh, that encourage us and that draw people in into Denver. There's certain things that when we walk outside and see that discourage us and are difficult and are hard. Uh, we, as a, as a community, live in a particular context. And as the elders have been sort of praying about this, we've been we've been thinking about what it means to be a church in this particular context. We're also asking, what are we called to do? Like, what is God calling us and moving us towards in a way that we could glorify and honor him? And so that's sort of been uh, the things that the elders have been praying about, something that, that I've been praying about, and I think through a variety of different means, God has given us uh, a measure of his wisdom, a measure of his wisdom to say, this is our context and this is our call. And so we're gonna spend this morning talking about uh, the conflict And one aspect of the call, and then next week, we're going to talk about the second aspect of the call. So before I say the conflict explicitly, I want to tell you a little story about me over the last couple of months getting to visit another church. And I'm going to tell you which one, 
but I want to tell you the story first. Their gathering wasn't on Sunday. So uh, I, I was here every Sunday. I didn't, I didn't go somewhere else. It was on another day, and I really wanted to have the whole experience. So I went onto their website, and you could let them know that you were coming, which our website does that. If you're interested in Emmaus, you can go and say, hey, I'm going to come, and, and we'll let you know. So I showed up, and when I said, hey, uh, I'm here, uh, you know, I signed up, they were like, oh, you're Aaron. Welcome. Where do you go otherwise? And I said, well, I'm here for this and this reason. Oh, okay, great. Awesome. It's nice to meet you. Let me show you around. And we walked around and showed me some things. I was, you know, I'm, um, I, I expressed to them that I'm familiar with how these things work through my, through my own personal experience. They weren't deterred, and they kind of showed me around. And uh, uh, they said, you know, they brought me to my chair, and when they actually introduced me to people who were around and said, this is Aaron. It's his first time here. People were like, hey, Aaron, you know, what's going on? And I was like, oh, okay. There's like uh, a, lot of, a lot of spotlight. It was a, but it was, very, it was a very friendly experience, and I, and I appreciated the, the fact that I think, based on what I expressed, I don't think... They thought I was a long-term person, but they were very welcoming and very kind. And, and when the, the service started, they also had like a liturgy. Uh, they had an order of service where, where there was things that they did, some call and response. Um, the music was, I didn't know most of the songs. But, they did, but obviously the people, you know, it was like, it was their community. Like they, they knew all the songs. Uh, so, so, but I, I felt kind of a little bit out of place, and there was some sitting and some standing and some just, I would say, I would say high liturgical. There was a lot of, of just aspects of the, the way that they worshiped that it was hard for me to follow along, and I, I, I caught on eventually, you know, I caught on, and I, I did it a couple of times, so by the time I was, been there a couple of times, I was familiar with, with what to do and what to say and when, and then the person who was up front, it was less of a, a message, but the, 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 the speech, the talk was, was kind of intermittent throughout, and it was very motivational to the sense where I kind of I got into it. And I was enjoying this. I was enjoying this. Uh, with one of the speakers, I had a fun conversation afterwards. And the emphasis, what really stood out to me at this church is that the emphasis was on your ability to reorient your life for the better with all the tools that you have in this world around you. You are capable of finding joy and peace because you took the time to do this. And one person even said, I really like this, one person even said, it's good to be a little selfish because you have to work on yourself. It's good to be a little selfish because you have to work on yourself. People were into it. It was good. And then at the end, you know, I had some conversation. Um, oh, there was, I have to share this one experience because this was uh, at a different, it was sort of the end and they, 
part of the service, there was time for reflection and the lights went down. So everyone was, was told to reflect on, on how they were gonna make themselves better when they left the room. And so I'm there and I'm, I'm like kind of in prayer, just thinking about it, you know, like, Lord, I need your help, you know, like. And the gentleman from up front walks up with a candle to me. And he leans over to me and says, I'm so honored that you're here. And puts the candle in front of me. And I'm like, I'm glad to be here too. You know, like, and I said, what do I do with the candle? <laughs> I was very confused. It was embarrassing. And he said, he said, make a wish, make a prayer, make a hope, whatever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, he didn't say blow it out either. So at the time, I'm just like, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was, it was interesting. So then, you know, I, I went a couple of times. I got a follow-up text message like, hey, how was it? Let us know. Is there something we can do? It was just, it was quite the experience. So full circle, I'm going to tell you what church this was. I'm playing a little bit of a trick on you, and you may have saw it coming. Church is just a Greek word for gathering. I swear to you, this was my cycle class. This was spin class. This is my spin class. I went to a spin class a few times because my bike was broken. I said, I don't do spin class. I ride my bike all the time. I just need somewhere to be temporarily. This was my spin class. And I, I bring that up to say there are two religions in Denver today. There are two religions in Denver today. There's one that says you can better yourself with the tools around you and find joy and peace. You can do it. It's good to be selfish. And there's Christianity that says you can't. You're not able to find joy and peace in the world around you. It's impossible. You need a transcendent God. You need someone you can't touch or hear or see to reveal himself to you in a way that you don't deserve and you can't achieve on your own. Amen. Because that's the only way you're gonna find real joy and peace. To make the point even, hopefully to drive the point home a little bit more that it's not just cycle class that has this particular religion. I was talking to my painter, painting my bookshelf. Really nice guy. Just kind of chit-chatting with him while trying to make sure the little guy doesn't run and put his hand on the fresh paint or, or mess with the tools or whatever. And he goes, I, I, yeah, you know, he's doing a bookshelf that's like gigantic and he's like, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. So we talked about that. He's like, oh, you guys are really close to what, where I'm involved. I go to the Buddhist, Buddhist center just down the street. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, so have you, I've seen that building. I've driven by it a bunch of times. It's, and he's like, my dad went there. I've been there. He's like, but, but don't worry. We're compatible with all religions. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, why? <laughs> he goes, because 
all we're doing is helping you look inside so that you can better yourself and find peace. He knew. He couldn't have said a more true thing. Yes, you're compatible with every religion except for Christianity. You're compatible with the cycle bar people that had me blow out the candle and the self-help books that say if you just use the right tools, you are capable of finding joy and peace in this world. You're compatible with everything. Another phrase I hear thrown around a lot, um, uh, and I'm thinking particularly of some conversations I have at a coffee shop. This came up yesterday with some friends of mine as well, but you hear the phrase, you do you, right? Hey, you do you. It's the same religion. (laughs) Quinn, you do you. She does. She doesn't need to be told. (laughs) Neither does he. (laughs) You, You do you is really coming from that other religion that says you're capable. You know how. You know what's best for you. You're capable of finding joy and peace. You do you is the liturgy of our cultural moment. (laughs) This is the conflict that we live in to varying degrees. We're surrounded by one religion that says you're capable to find joy and peace by using the tools around you. And here we are, showing up on Sunday, considering things in gospel community. Here we are saying, hey, no, you're not. You don't even know what's best for you. You need someone outside of this broken world to come down and reveal himself to you so that you could have true, lasting, never-changing, firm joy and peace, even as things may go chaos around you. The conflict is that there are two paths, there are two religions that are offering you joy and peace. One that puts it all on you through everything in the world and one that offers it in and through what Jesus Christ has done. So what's the call? If that's the reality, if that's the situation we currently have found ourselves in, what's the call? Before I state it, I want to make it clear that this conflict between these two religions is not an us versus them. Because the conflict lives in you. It's not we have everything in order and everyone else has it completely backwards. It's by the grace of God 
we can enjoy a measure of that joy and peace that we humbly submit to. But the, the conflict between those two religions is taking place right here in your heart, in your life, in your day, every day. And so then the call is, what are we called to do in light of the conflict between these two religions? Is that we have to push back against this false religion here, here, if we want to be a light out there. Or repeat that. We have to push back against that false religion that you're capable that you can do it with the things in the world. We have to push back against that false religion here in our hearts, here in our community, if we want to be a light out there. Because if we're not different, we're just compatible with everybody else. We'll go to the Buddhist center. Go to Soul Cycle. It's an experience. <laughs> The candle thing really happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's our call. We have to push back in here, in our hearts, in our community, if we want to be a light out there. Amen. So for the rest of the morning, we're going to talk about two aspects of the pushback here. And I, I like the analogy of, you know, I watched a terrible movie, but I'm thinking of a better one, like the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, like those ornate pirate ships, those like big ships with those huge sails. I, I've never been on one. It would be really cool, except like being in the middle of the ocean on wood without like motors or anything, like that is scary to me. <laughs> but those, you, you know the image of, of when they, in any of these movies, when they drop all the sails and they open it up and like, you know, all the upbeat music starts playing and the, you know, the, the sail just like expands and it, it moves off. And so if our call is to, to wrestle with, to push back against this religion in here, the, the, the sail of spiritual worship is what's gonna move us forward. The, the sale of spiritual worship is what's going to draw us nearer to God so that you and I can really believe that joy and peace is not on my terms with this world, that joy and peace is with God himself. So this idea of the sale of spiritual worship. And next week, we're going to talk about the anchor of discontentment that like yanks you back down to earth. When you, when, you, when you drop the anchor, you aren't going anywhere, no matter how wide open your, your sails are. But we're going to talk about a little bit about discontentment and contentment and how that brings us back down and, and forces us and shapes us around the false religion that says it's about you and the things around you. But this morning, we're going to hit on two things around the sail of spiritual worship, something that really draws us up and enables us to push back against that false religion that says you are capable with the things that are in this world. So those two things are inward priority and some specifics around purposeful pushback. Spiritual worship. Look at, um, I have the, should have the passage on your screen, John 4, 24. 
Jesus is caught in a little bit of an argument with a woman about where God's chosen people should worship. And look at what he says. God is spirit. This is Jesus kind of answering this, this question about worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the, the reason for that is it's because God is spirit. And if we go back to Genesis, all of the creatures were made from uh, the dust of the earth or God spoke them into existence. And when you get to Adam and Eve, there's, a, there's something different. There's something unique. There's something very special about how they were created. They, they were molded both out of the earthly and also God's spirit breathed upon them. So, so God is saying, because he is spirit, because he is not the material world, the worship that he is due, the, the worship that most genuinely connects with who he is and his character must also be of the spiritual kind. Must also be of the spiritual kind. And nothing garners more different definitions than if you ask someone what spirituality is. <laughs> you know, we, can, we can go all kinds of different places with that. But what scripture is saying is there is an aspect to who we are that is not merely physical. We are physical. That's very important. There's an aspect to who we are, spirit, that is most closely associated with who God is, the, the center of our being. And another way that the Bible talks about this is our, our soul or our heart. It's, a, it's sort of like the, the spiritual control center that you cannot find under a microscope but affects how you think, how you feel, how you act. Everything is centered in our spirit, in our heart, in our soul. Those are all different words that the Bible uses to talk about this aspect of who we are that's beyond, that's above the material world. Amen. So if we're gonna have spiritual worship, if we're gonna draw near to the God who is spirit, we have to have an inward priority. We have to have an inward priority. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Isaiah 66, I think is a good, we just got out of Isaiah, we haven't got to this part yet. But he actually brings up this complaint in chapter one. We should have this verse, Isaiah 66, verse three and four, I believe. But God is often in the book of Isaiah looking at his people and kind of has issues with them. Fair. He's encouraging them in this time. The same thing that Jesus is saying is that spiritual worship is the priority. Inward is what enables you to come and enjoy God who is spirit. Look at what Isaiah says in verse three. It says, he who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. 
He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. Now pause right there. This is what he's describing. He's describing all of the good worship from the Old Testament. An ox was a, was a, a hefty sacrifice a, a, a really, if you were not, uh, if you were more poor, you would give a turtle dove. We talked about that in the, the series with, um, with Mary and Joseph. But an ox was like king sacrificed those in the thousands sometimes. He talks about the grain offering is, is just a, is an offering of thanksgiving. There, there's, he's saying all of these ways to worship that are good, all of these ways to approach God that I've prescribed are like blessing an idol or killing a man. Like it's kind of dramatic. He said, he's basically saying, look, this is how you're supposed to worship and I'm telling you, you might as well be murdering your neighbor. That's how bad it is. You might as well go worship another God. That's how bad it is. You might say, well, what's the deal here? Why is God saying this to his people? And that's what he says in the next verse. He says, these have chosen, the people who are doing this have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. He's saying the spiritual center for who you are actually loves the things of the world more than me. Who you are at your core would rather not be here doing these things. So they're at a they're, they're, you might as well make them murder. You might as well make them idolatry because God cares about, because God is spirit, he needs to be worshiped in spirit. He needs to be worshiped internally. He needs to be worshiped with genuine rejoicing and desire and care. He's saying, this is my priority. Psalm 51 says some of the same thing. Verse 16, 17 says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Here's King David saying, I would bring you a sacrifice but that's not what you want from me. You want the inward reality of who I am to be the thing that genuinely wants to come towards you. You want me to be broken over my own sin and say, contrary to the false religion, to say, I am incapable. I can't draw near to you. I need you to come and do something. I need you to come down and show me your glory. I need you to draw me upward because I'm so stuck to all the things in the world. I need your help, Lord. That's spiritual worship. That's the, the sail that will draw you heavenly. That's inward priority. 
use one last example. I think this is an important point. From Genesis chapter 6. You know, things got pretty ugly before the flood. We don't know the details. And we're in the sixth chapter of the Bible. And it's interesting to reflect on like how much happened between like Adam and the flood. You know, I don't know. It's like a, a lot. How much time is that? And we get like six chapters. <laughs> so it's like, which is interesting because we get like two chapters of before the fall. But Jesus, but God says in Genesis chapter six, verse five, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intentions of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. God was bummed that he made man. And he could have said, there's oppression. Because that grieves him. He could have said, there's abuse. Because that grieves me. He could have said, there's sexual sin. I hate that. He could have said all kinds of things. But look at what he says. Verse 5. Every intention of the thoughts of their heart. He's saying the inward desires of the creatures I've created, whether they act on them or not, are evil. And I regret making them. God is spirit. He has to be worshiped in spirit, in our hearts, genuinely. The things we do out here, the voice we project, the church things we attend, the soup kitchens we go to, all of those things are great, and God says you should do those things. <laughs> but if the inward part isn't there, he hates that. That's not what he wants. That's not the sale that's going to bring us up into the joy and peace that God is offering. So what do we do with that? What Jesus said in John... Paul says this in a number of ways in the New Testament. We just went through Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah. I think the, the point is made. That's what God wants. Spiritual worship. He wants inward priority. What do we do with that? I think if you are a little bit honest with yourself... It's much easier to show up on Sunday and go through the motions than it is to genuinely desire the presence and glory of God over all the things in the world. Like, we can make this work. Especially you guys. <laughs> You're the diehards. <laughs> but that's not what God wants. He wants to the spiritual aspect of who we are. He wants our hearts to be drawn up to him. 
talked about this a number of different ways. Recognizing that, that our inward motives are messed up. Recognizing and coming to terms with the reality that our hearts are so bent on everything in this world being what brings us joy and peace. Recognizing that even the conviction I might feel this morning, right now, via the Holy Spirit, I might forget by this evening when I'm looking for a better meal to make me happy from the stress of the day. Recognizing that and pleading with the Lord to change that is where we need to be. <laughs> that's, that's what he wants. That's a broken and contrite heart. That's the best place to be. That's spiritual worship. Saying, I need your help. I'm not capable. I can't orient myself towards you. I'd rather go through the motions than desire you some days, lots of days. Like recognizing that we need that help is the first step. That's wonderful. That's the Holy Spirit working to convict you. That's not what you're going to hear at Cycle Bar. That's not what you're going to hear at the coffee shop. That you can't. Good luck doing you because you can't. No one's told me that as I've walked away. <laughs> I don't, wouldn't recommend that. Maybe not the best context to talk through the gospel. Maybe, I don't know. That's where we have to start. Recognizing that. So part of the purpose, purposeful pushback is just recognizing that. And knowing that's the part of the process. That's where the lowly who rejoice. We talked about this all through Advent. So that's the suffering here when we recognize where we fall short that brings us to the glory up there. It comes up everywhere in scripture. That's step one of the purposeful pushback is a broken and contrite heart. It's bringing our internal thoughts, our motives, our desires, and and examining them in light of scripture and saying, woe is me. I need your help, Lord. Step one is recognizing that. So I think if we're gonna push back, if we're gonna, as a church, be a light out there and we wanna push back in here on these things, if we wanna raise our affections up to God so that unlike every other religion that we interact with daily, we can say we're not capable but there's one who's greater. There's one who is capable. There's one who can draw us up. There's, there's joy and peace that takes the weight off of your shoulders and brings it up to God himself in and through Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> if we're gonna have a purposeful pushback in here, you need to regularly stop and examine the spiritual part of who you are. Because I don't know if you know this, you will soon fall into the trap of doing the external things. I don't have to help you along that. Our hearts, sin, Satan, the world is every day helping you get to that point. <laughs> you have to have some kind of regular stopping and reflecting and taking your motives and saying, Lord, this is where I fall short. This is where I need your help. This is where I'd rather have the world than you. 
<coughs> you need to do that. How has that worked into your rhythm weekly? I can't do that unless I write stuff down. I know that's a, some people just need to go on a nature walk and reflect on things. Some people need to spend a little extra time in the shower because the kids can't get to you there, you know? All kinds of places to do, to do this. But if you don't stop and reflect on the inward motives and desires, if you don't consider for your heart, you're going to drift into the religion that's preached to you every day, that you are capable and you just need the things in the world to get you there. If you're gonna have purposeful pushback, you have to examine what's going on in here. You have to. Another thing you have to do, this is beautiful because God wants us to recognize the brokenness of our hearts, but he's not just saying, okay, I'm, gl I'm glad you see that. Um, I'll be back in about 80 years and bring you to heaven. <laughs> no, stay there in misery. He wants to draw us up to the, the joy and peace and the glory of his presence. He, he's communicated to us methods or means or uh, uh, ways or rhythms to have access to things that are outside of this world, to have access to God himself. He's given us rhythms. He's given us things in scripture that communicate to us how we can have more joy and peace how we can reorient our hearts towards desiring him and worshiping him and loving him. You're here today. That's one of those things. It's like all of the things we could be doing crammed into one Sunday morning, hour and a half thing, whether it's the bread and the wine or the worship or the reflection or the, or the, uh, the scripture reading or the exhortation or encouragement. We're just kind of shoving it in the 90 minutes and saying, look, here's a lot of the things you can do that draw your affections up towards God. And, and Sunday is wonderful and an important part of that. But if you started a new job and they said, okay, you're gonna have to pay attention to this about 90 minutes a week um, and your evaluation is in six months and where you should be an expert of that by the time we get back to you. <laughs> 90 minutes a week is going to be a tough sell to be good at that job. Maybe not for some of you. You're just really smart. I'm sure there are those people. God is saying, if you want to purposefully push back against the religion that's hammering you every day, you need to have rhythms in your life that remind you who I am that reminds you that there's joy and peace and something to be had beyond this world that you can rest in. The quote from Charnock I thought was really good. It's probably towards the beginning. Oh, thank you. I was like, I didn't write that one down. So it's like God had no rest from the creation till he had made man. And man can have no rest in the creation until he rests in God. Man can have no rest in creation until he rests in God. Part of the purposeful pushback is rhythms in our lives that reorient us towards God himself. Because that doesn't come naturally. 
So one of the things as a church we're doing in our gospel communities, we, we're leaning into the rhythms of the month. If you're part of a gospel community, you probably you may have seen the email. But we want rhythms that reorient us outside of the religion that's being preached to us every day and draw us up to God. So every fourth Wednesday, we'll have a potluck here for all the GCs and we'll spend some time intentionally in prayer as a church. Just a monthly rhythm of gathering and enjoying each other and reminding each other that there's glory and majesty and peace beyond the things in creation. It's a rhythm to help all of us rest in God, to pray together, to draw our thoughts upward. Every Wednesday night, fourth, fourth week, Another, we're, another part of those rhythms are, are encouraging each other to be in the story of God, to understand what God is doing, to, to tell us that this is how God works in the world, no matter what everything is saying around you. So the first and third week, and you know, we're, we're gonna give out little guides and stuff like this, so don't be writing any of this stuff down. You don't have to write this stuff down. But twice a month, we're gonna be going through the story of God and saying, this is what, this is how the world works. And I want to help you see how the world works so that we can reorient ourselves to the true religion, to the true relationship that says you actually can't do this on your own because of the fall. Things are broken. You need Jesus who has, thank the Lord, stepped into time and has done all the things and has risen up and has poured out his spirit and is working today to draw you up into heavenly glory. That's what you need. I didn't hear that at Cycle Bar. <laughs> You're not gonna hear that at work. The Buddhist temple, most coffee shops you go to, from your coworker. We need each other. We need these rhythms so that we can push back on that false religion here so that you and I can be a light out there. That's what we need. And guess what? You can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have the magic formula. But God loves a broken and contrite heart and desires to help his people and draw them up to his glory. I know he wants that and loves to do that. I would encourage you, and maybe I'll send out an email to some of the GCs this week or to the church as a whole. I would encourage you in 2023, Ask yourselves, what are some of the rhythms in my life apart from Sunday that draw me up out of this world into the presence of God? You could just tell me what your day looks like and I could tell you the rhythms that draw you into this world. <laughs> They're there. That's the default. I'm gonna share this because I want some accountability, and I may regret this later. One of the things I would like to do is not turn on my phone until after I've spent some time in word and prayer, period. I know, it's been three days. I feel like I'm still going through withdrawals. <laughs> Pretty simple. I've had to change a few things, check my calendar, make sure I'm not just like, you know, spending some time in the morning while Jesse's waiting for me at the coffee shop or something. 
But I have a rhythm of waking up and looking at all the good news in the world on my phone while I eat food. It's so encouraging. Just something as simple as that. Maybe that's, it doesn't feel simple. It feels painful. But, but reflect and ask yourself, what are the rhythms that I have built into my life that pull me out of the world and allow me to worship inwardly, spiritually, to connect to the God who is spirit? What are those? Maybe it's just turning the music off in the car so you can spend a little time in prayer from point A to point B because you have a busy life. Maybe it's just turning the phone off at night, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's singing a worship song with your crazy toddlers who are running around. That helps me. I told JJ this morning, we're gonna sing another song. I need another song. It was a long night, I'm tired. He was like, apples. <laughs> so, but I'm just showing him too that like, I need to draw my thoughts and affections up to the Lord. I need this. What are rhythms in your life that tell you the religion that you're hearing every day is wrong and draw you into a true and right relationship with God? That's the the sale of spiritual worship. It's the called the means of grace. It seems so lame and not that cool to pause and reflect on God. It seems so lame and not that cool to sing a worship song when I could be singing songs that are way more better done. <laughs> it seems so lame to shut off devices and just think about the motives and intentions of my heart. It seems so lame to spend 10 minutes reading a chapter in the Bible. But as we said over and over again, it's the lowly things that God uses to bring glory. It's the things that the world says is foolish that God uses to raise us up and believe a true religion that there's things outside of this world that can bring us eternal joy and peace. Emmaus sits in the center of a very religious place. The world has its practices. The world has its gospel. The world has its preachers. And we hear them all the time. And I believe if we together desire to worship God in spirit and to reflect on our hearts and draw near to him, it will genuinely be like a sail that makes us stand out, that makes us a light, that makes people ask, what is up with the hope that's within you? So that you can say, hey, you can't do you. And guess what? When you try to do you, there's more anxiety. There's more depression. There's more tossed to and fro. But I have something better. I have something solid. 
That's something I can rest in. And I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd want that for you. That will let us be a light out there. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about contentment and discontentment. Because nothing, as we sail into the glory of God, nothing just rips us back down to earth. Rips us back down. Like discontentment. Because when we're not content, guess what we're saying? I'm already evaluating my joy and peace based on everything around me. I've left spiritual worship and I've sucked myself right back down into the ground. And I'm following a different religion. And we need help to recognize that. <laughs> we need help to recognize that so that as Emmaus... As, as people who are in a community with neighbors, as people who share a workspace, you, some of you spend more time with people you barely know than the rest of the people in this church that you've known for 10 years. <laughs> like you spend more of your day with people out there than you do with us in here. That's, that's not unusual. God knew that was gonna be the case. It's good for us to work. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're the ones that equip each other we're the ones that encourage each other. We're the ones that push back on this false religion first so that when you're out there, you can be a light out there. And God has put you, God has put your gospel community, God has put this community here so that we could be a light to a dark world. And I believe he's very capable of doing that. Jesus says, it's better that I go. The verse is always, I just don't like that verse. Jesus is saying, it's better that my Holy Spirit fills every single one of you and equips you to be a light everywhere you are than I stand here on the earth. It's better that I go that you have the Spirit so you could be a light across the entire world. And that's what he's doing. That's what God's doing. So let's pray and ask for his help with that. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your grace and patience with us, Lord. Lord, we don't naturally find rest and peace in you. We don't naturally draw our affections up towards your glory and your majesty and your goodness, and yet you know that. You sent your son to die because he is the only one who set his heart and his mind on you 100% every day all the time. You know that about us and you desire us to see that and to draw our hearts near to you, Lord. Give us wisdom this year to consider the rhythms of our life that pull us out of the fake religion of this world. Give us wisdom this year to recognize that we actually can't do us. We need your help to draw us near to you. And give us faith to believe, Lord, that when we ask for wisdom, you grant it. You answer those prayers. So I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for this time to worship you in spirit and in truth. In your name I pray, amen.